Asama dudes, it is Monday, and you know what that means. This is another episode of Big Stick Energy coming at you live on the Out of Collective podcast platform. My name is Tori Anderson. You can find me at Tori Aelina on Instagram, and you can find my co-host and best friend for life, Renee McCurdy, at Renee McCurds on Instagram as well. We are two of the five co-founders of the Tang brand, and yeah, Shout out to Adam Jabber for bringing us on here so we can bring you heaps of sass every single Monday, like clockwork. Um, Today's episode is true and dear to my heart because I am somebody that holds rank at the back of the pack. (laughs) Anytime I go ski touring, anytime I go biking, my little legs go uphill really fast, but they do not go downhill that fast. So, you know, it's a constant mental struggle for me, being at the back of the pack, because you can be hard on yourself back there. There's some weird, like, cultural things about fitness in the ski industry. And today we hash it out with Laura Hall, who is the founder of the Back of the Pack, which is a group that is dedicated to making the outdoors feel a little bit more inclusive and not as exclusive to experts who have that kind of fitness regime or ability. So today's episode is super sick. Um, I'm going to keep this intro short and tight because it's a really good one. And I love talking to Laura. I highly recommend checking her organization out. Um, If you feel so inclined, we do really, really appreciate it when people leave us reviews. We love reading them. If you want to leave us a dad joke, whatever you need to say or want to say about us, we are here for it. Um, You can do that on any platform you're listening to us on, Spotify, Apple, on the website, you name it. Leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. And before we get into the episode, we're going to run through a quick sponsor ad because that's how we get the skills to pay the bills. Have a great day, everybody, and I hope you enjoy the episode. This episode is brought to you by Mirror Energy. Whether you are Alpine Start, Dawn Patroller, or a leisure skier heading up to the gondola, it's 2 p.m. in the afternoon for your first lap, Mirror has something for you. So these energy products use simple ingredients and whole foods to create nutrient-dense energy gels. There's several options here. You can have a fast-burning gel, which is going to be fruit-based, easy to digest, give you that quick hit when you need a pick-me-up because nobody likes to bonk. They have slow-burning gels, which are going to give you that more sustained for your longer, longer activities, bigger days, caffeinated gels, as well as uh, some hydration products and we're going to help you out with this we've got a discount code out of bounds that is all capital letters and no spaces to use for 10% off all the products on mirror's website m-u-i-r energy so mirror discount code is out of bounds and we just want you to get out there get after it and keep yourself fueled properly for these adventures so where are you right now uh, where in the world? <laughs> yes. Where I... in the world is Laura Hall? <laughs> um, I am outside of Port Angeles, Washington. Um, so it's on the Olympic Peninsula, um, west of Seattle, which yes, there is a west of Seattle. People are always like, I didn't know there was west of Seattle. But um, yeah, pretty much in the middle of nowhere. It's a tiny little town like smashed between um, the oceans and the mountains. And where are you working? I am also working in Port Angeles. Um, I, I've kind of like moved around a little bit on the Olympic Peninsula, um, but definitely have found um, my 
my work home here, um, I work in the emergency department of the hospital in Port Angeles. Um, it's like a smaller community. Um, I think it's a level three trauma center. Um, and yeah, it's been, it's been really fun. I've been there for about six months and, um, yeah, really, really loving it. Mm-hmm. And you did, you did some travel nursing too, correct? Yeah. So I'm, um, I'm actually the, the reason that I landed at the hospital I'm at now is, um, because of a travel contract. Um, I'm kind of near the end of, I, I just keep extending my contract. I love it so much here. Um, so I've actually been here for, um, about six months now and I have one more month left in my travel contract with them. And then at that point, um, I'm probably just going to sign on per diem. I have a lot of like really fun stuff happening this summer that full-time like contract, like travel nursing just doesn't quite fit into, um, fit into that. So I'm just going to kind of take a yellow summer and, and sign on with them per diem. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's how I ended up here. <laughs> yeah. I guess we could do like a more proper intro. So who, who are you? <laughs> what do you do other than working at Emerge? <laughs> other than Renee being like, where are you? Where, where are you are located? You? <laughs> oh. Where are you? Which is important because we interview people from all over the place. And if you said Port Angeles, I would be like, uh, is that close to Los Angeles? Like I'm a Canadian. I don't know these things. I just know that you're in the Pacific Northwest somewhere. But I also know that you were in Colorado at some point. So I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) All over the place. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So who am I? Uh, My name's Laura. Um, I am an ER nurse. Um, I've been a nurse for three years now. Um, I'm a dog mom. I'm a wife. Um, I was raised in Colorado um, and I moved out to the Northwest when I was like, I think 18 or 19. Um, I lived in Portland for a while. And then I moved to Bend and did like a ski bum winter there um, at Bachelor and then kind of gradually made my way up to the Olympic Peninsula. Um, That's where I went to nursing school, Um, worked out here when I started and just kind of been here at a couple hospitals up here. Um, I'm kind of a like a Jill of all trades adventure, I guess. I I ski. That's kind of my primary skiing in the winter and trail running in the summer, um, mountain biking, paddling. Um, kayaking and stand-up paddleboarding, um, hiking, backpacking, camping, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, that's, I'm an INFJ. If anyone cares about personality tests, I'm an Enneagram 2. Um, very classic on both of those. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if anybody wants to know my personality, this is the <laughs> category. Let's be BFFs if we align. <laughs> I actually just took the personality test because I was curious what is INFJ um it's like it's like um I forget what they call it it's been a while since I looked at it but it's like I mean introverted and then um I think it's like the helper like Mother Teresa is an INFJ okay word (laughs) no wonder I'm a nurse (laughs) um I don't remember what mine was but mine is like the villain in every movie (laughs) it was like you're like the there's like two different types of them, but it's like the super hardcore logical, like systems thinker or like yeah. I was reading it and I was like, you know, I'm a Scorpio. So why don't you just lead with that? <laughs> it's like Scorpios are kind of fucked up. So. That's awesome. <laughs> I actually don't know that much about astrology. I did go through a hippie phase, but re- re- yeah. relevant. That's all I know. So <laughs> yeah, 
I know someone was asking me like what my moon sign is last weekend and I was like I have literally no idea what you're talking about what's your sign girl <laughs> right. like, sorry I don't know I don't know if I should be mocking. Is that your thing? That's your thing. Yo, you do you. I used to have a crystal collection. So, you know, we all been there. We all, we all tried that, trying to find ourselves. <laughs> Anyways, that was like probably one of the best introductions we've had. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that, that pretty much covers it. <laughs> Personality to career. Yuck. <laughs> Yeah, that's not everything though. Um, <laughs> Renee did not research. I did research. Well, I've been following you for quite a while, and I think part of it is just like, the nurse thing. Sometimes you just you need nurse followers because you have such dark humor about certain things, and you need other people to understand the dark humor that you have from seeing the worst in everybody all of the time. Especially if you work in emerge, it's like no one's having a good day, and people are going to take it out on you. And yes, that's just how it is. Yeah, so, for sure. Like, definitely have like a like nurse following that I follow and that follow me back, and I love it. Yeah. Well, um, I think too, like, it's really cool to see nurses who are like, doing this like badass outdoor stuff, like, on the side of nursing. Um, I like, I don't know about you. But I went into nursing for like, super practical reasons, like, good pay, I can have a job anywhere. It's like a pretty quick path from like school to career. Um, and then also, I just like, was kind of like looking at a lot of the women in my life. Um, at that time, I think I was about 24, or 25 when I went to nursing school. And like all of the women I admired for like being like badass outdoor women and also like having really solid careers, like they were literally all nurses, like trauma ICU or ER or flight nurses or whatever. And then on the flip side, had this like really awesome like outlet of outdoor adventure, um, which I think like, I mean, to your point, like the dark humor, but also like that release that people like in careers like this, um, you know, really, really need um, that like you know, high, I don't know, not really high risk, high reward, but like, you know, adrenaline junkie sort of lifestyle of like, you know, staying up all night to save people's lives. And then like, okay, now I'm going to go like climb a mountain and like release all of that. (laughs) Because if I don't, it will like tear me down. So yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know, there's, it's really cool to see like the community of like nurses doing badass outdoor stuff. Um, Yeah, I think there is a couple sides to that too. Like, for one, being an emerge, people are so active. And I think there is something to that where something like emergency nursing being a bit more chaotic and a bit more adrenaline based in general, like you get someone that comes in and they look like hot garbage and your job is to do everything as quickly as possible, figure out what is going wrong and save their life Mm -hmm. is basically what you're doing. And it's high stakes, high reward, but it like really gets you going on the adrenaline and I do think that that gets paralleled with some of the sports that a lot of the nurses that I have worked with do Mm -hmm. especially in emerge I found sometimes like other areas of nursing not so much but I personally was inspired to do nursing because of nurses I met at the Banff emergency and I saw (laughs) them and I saw their schedules and they were always out doing stuff before work or after work and I was like oh I want that it's like this 
Mm -hmm. It's like I can use my brain. I can probably ski a fair bit. And <laughs> like, I don't know. It just was, yeah. I never would have ever considered it out of high school. But after ski bumming a little bit, I was like, hmm, maybe. Maybe yep. this is it for me. I think there's like a few little bits there that work out well until you do yeah. night shifts and then you just hate everything. <laughs> First night shift in a year tonight. That'd I'm so excited. So That'd excited. <laughs> bring lots of snacks <laughs> yeah but it is inspiring I know there's this video I watched in nursing school called wild women of the Wasatch mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I'm saying that right because I'm not from Utah but we pronounce things wrong all the time on here yeah. <laughs> but it was three skier nurses and they were just shredding and then it would show them in their scrubs at the hospital just like badasses all around yeah. and that was the one point in my nursing where I was like okay I think I chose the right thing yep. I think this is it I'm gonna yeah. do it <laughs> <laughs> I came across that video um I think it was about a year ago and it's like whenever I have like a dark moment in nursing I like watch that video and I'm like okay yes like this is like I'm getting there <laughs> like this is what I want <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, but we would love to talk to you about Back of the Pack because that yeah. was what I was originally getting to <laughs> and that I followed you for a long time and then I got sidetracked by nursing, which is half <laughs> of my life, so as it yeah. is. But having followed you for a while, I know that you run a community called Back of the Pack and I mm -hmm. think that you should kind of let everyone know what it is about because I think it is a really cool idea and it fills a niche that not everyone does fill and... I don't know. There's a lot of mentalities in these sports that I think could be contradicted by what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I'll let you intro it and then we can dive yeah. in. Yeah, for sure. So um, I guess almost a year ago now, um, I launched this community um, back of the pack and it was essentially born out of this like frustration I had where um, I personally was looking to go to like, I think it was like a running retreat or something. And um, it was this really awesome looking retreat. It was located in like some cool, like running town. It was like Flagstaff, Arizona or Bend, Oregon or something like that. Um, and it looked awesome. Like they had like home cooked meals and, you know, a group of like 10 to 15 women running these beautiful trails and these beautiful locations. Um, and then I started like digging. So I really wanted to go, but then I started digging a little bit further and it was like, you had to be able to run like 10 to 20 miles a day at like a sub 10 minute pace for like three days in a row. Um, and it was also like two or $3,000. Um, and I just, I was like, just got kind of like really frustrating. So I was like, Hey, like, you know, I'm a nurse, like I make decent money, but like, I'm not about to drop that much on like a two or three day trip. Um, and B like, I am not a sub 10 minute pace runner. Um, I cannot do that for three days in a row. Um, so I essentially wanted to create you know, it, that this whole idea of like, create what you wish existed. So I just wanted to create something that was more like welcoming for kind of like the average weekend warrior. Um, so for someone who, you know, maybe works, you know, either as a nurse or, you know, a standard like eight to five, five day a week office job, um, who maybe like, doesn't necessarily have the time, the ability, the skill, or frankly, the desire to like, you know, be like that level of an athlete, um, you know, someone who just wants to like go out and have a good time and, you know, still summit peaks and still do hard things, um, but do them at more of a 10 to 12 minute pace. Um, 
and so yeah so essentially just like you know I built kind of this um community out of out of that um the void that I saw there um and I think so then I kind of started talking about it like a lot more on my Instagram and I noticed that like I was not the only person who who felt this way and um yeah I think just overall like kind of our mission is just like support people and like again like still doing hard things but just this this realization that like you don't have to be an elite athlete you don't have to be sponsored you don't have to have like the best gear or you know the coolest pictures or whatever it is to like go out and do these things and like have a really good time doing it um and yeah so we we do um retreats we do like three-day weekend retreats which are just kind of the like ultimate girls weekend is kind of how I want them to feel. Um, we are going to do some like one day pop-up retreats this summer and not retreats like pop-up like adventure days this summer, um, rolling out like some merchandise. Um, and yeah, who knows what else is on the horizon at this point, maybe like actually a podcast since we're on a podcast. Um, I've been thinking about that for a while. Um, and yeah, that's kind of like the overarching view of it. Yeah, I know I, I've been following it for a while and I think it is really awesome to have something that's not like if if you look at mountain biking, for example, there's all these shops that do these group rides, but you're always too intimidated to go if you're not this like super hard crusher, but you really enjoy doing the sport. And mm-hmm. I think trail running, I've never really been on group trail runs, but I I know they exist and it's this exact same thing where I'm a solid runner and I run a fair bit and maybe I could keep up, but I actually just like, don't want to have to deal with the vibe of having this group like so far ahead of me that will make me feel a certain way about myself, even if that's not their intention. Mm-hmm. So having something that is geared more towards, you know, just everyone have a good time. We still want to do this really rad thing. Mm-hmm. But we're going to do it at, at this pace that we with Womb Tang. It was like, I'm sick of feeling like girls are just like this token, like one of the boys and there's no space for us. So it's like, let's create space for us. But that whole point of like that, um, you know, that feeling that you get. And it's not because like the other people are trying to make you feel like that, but it is just this inherent like norm in the ski industry or like in the outdoor industry I feel like where if you're not like ahead of the group and you're last it's like it really affects your your value systems internally Mm -hmm. right and I had to have this conversation with um my partner's friends because we're we're going on like this seven day hut trip to Fairy Meadows at the end of uh April and there's a couple friends who are coming on it who like do not ski tour that often like they're not as fit as everyone else and like my partner's friend group are all like ex ski racers who are ridiculously fit. Like we'll mm-hmm. go and crush like 120 kilometer rides on like a Thursday night just for shits and giggles. Like they're super aggressive. And for myself, like I'm a stunt nugget, like I can go downhill fast, but walking uphill or doing anything endurance wise, I'm always at the back. And that feeling of always being at the back, like, you know, they were talking about this one friend who is not going to be able to keep up as well because they haven't like worked towards it. And they were like, yeah, like she tried to get out of coming to the hut and they were like, well, you know, if she just worked a little bit hard and like, it's not about that. And like, they don't understand the feeling of being at the back of the pack. Mm -hmm. And 
we were playing disc golf and I was like, you know what, like from somebody's perspective of coming into this group, I can tell you that it is very intimidating and it is hard. And they were mm-hmm. just like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, you guys only have one speed. And even though you're inclusive and you want them there, you're not good at slowing down and thinking about like how other people do sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So it's like, <laughs> you know, people who are at the front, they, they don't really get that kind of learning yeah. mentality or like creating space for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's freaking yeah. crucial. I made a meme a little while ago and it was Blake Lively and she's just like stop saying sorry and she's like it's just a fucked up like female habit to always be saying sorry and I think that's part of it is that you're just saying sorry for taking up space Mm -hmm. so instead of saying sorry that you had to wait for me it's like changing it to like thanks for waiting for me Yep. Yeah. No, absolutely. because that's the mentality is like, oh, well, you know, I'm slow and everyone's having to wait for me. And do they even want me here? And mm-hmm. the truth is if people have invited you, they do want you here, but mm-hmm. it goes both ways. I, yeah. Exactly. I even have qualms of saying thank you. Like it shouldn't be like, a, oh, thank you for doing me this service. It should just be a standard in my opinion. Yeah. But it's not just going to turn into a standard. Like I had to have that conversation with my boyfriend again the other day. Cause we were like boot packing up the backside of the Fernie headwall. I haven't been ski touring much this season and I was shitting myself and he just like bro zoned and took off. And then like, there were times where they just left when I was like doing up my ski boots and then I went to the wrong place. He's like, well, you got to stay with the crew. And I was like, well, maybe you could wait for an extra 15 seconds for me to do up my fucking ski boots. Yeah. <laughs> like, why is it up to me to rush and be panicked why can't you hold space to like consider others? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm saying that really aggressively. It was actually like a very loving conversation. It came to terms, but this whole concept of like dudes not waiting for chicks to do up their boots or like take is just, it's a whole thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> so- yep. I'm a professional boot faffer. <laughs> professional boot faffer, just adjusting <laughs> like the, the clips a little bit, you know, twisting it like quarter degree one way, quarter degree the other way, just fixing your tongue. Yep. <laughs> There's um there's this podcast. I think it's it's a Dirtbag Diaries podcast. Um it's Anna, I think it's Anya Miller. Um it's called the podcast is called The Fuck You Wait. I don't know if either of you have heard that story, but it's essentially like she's mountain biking with her friends and she's a lot slower than the group. And so, you know, they're pedaling uphill and it's like you know, they're way ahead of her. And then she catches, I'm miming with my hands as if this is going to be on video, but um, she's like, or her friends are way ahead of her. And she like, just barely catches up, like, just gets like within like, you know, a comfortable earshot. And they're just like, Anya, you good? And she's like, in her brain, she's like, I have to pee. I need a snack. I'm thirsty, like all of these things. Um, but instead she's just like yeah I'm good and so they they just like immediately take off again and so like the whole ride up like that's how it goes and she just she calls it the fuck you wait because it's just like like oh yeah like you're here like fuck you we're gonna keep going now like that's so true I have thought about that when I'm that person and I do think about when I'm not that person too because if I'm waiting for someone and then I've caught my breath, but they're just catching up to me. It's they need that same amount of time to catch their breath, right? So you, that's one thing that I like try and think of when I'm riding with someone that is a slower climber than me is like, okay, like 
you need to let them have the break you just had. But then on the other side of the equation, uh, if I'm the person that's in the back, I'll try to go a speed that is manageable to me, but that I know I can maintain for a really long time. So that then if I only get that really short break, then I'm okay, I can keep going because I've like primed myself to just do like a consistent pace the whole way and not like be banking on getting any breaks if I'm the last person. <laughs> but I feel that on a deep level. Yeah, that's that's definitely like me with my husband and literally any sport that we do. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. Like, Give me a second. He's pretty, he's really good about waiting. Um, and actually, so is my brother. I feel like you know, talking about men typically most, I mean, typically being the ones that kind of do the, the fuck you wait or whatever, or just leave you in the dust. Um, I feel like I personally have been like super lucky um, with like the men in my life. Um, grew up skiing with my brother and he was always like more than happy to, to wait for me. Um, and, and Jared too, now with like mountain biking and trail running, um, just generally, they're both far more athletic and fast than me, but um, super happy to wait. Um, but I, yeah, so I recognize that that's like definitely not the experience, um, of the majority. And so that's kind of what I wanted to like, you know, create with back of the pack. And, and I will say that, um, on our, on the retreats, we've had three retreats so far. They've all been in Oregon, um, last fall. Um, and we, we, you know, we did like some long hikes on both of them and we, we actually did end up splitting into two groups, um, because there was a very clear like pace difference. Um, but by having like a big enough group that we were able to split into two groups, like everyone still had a really good time. No one feel like no one felt like left out or left behind or, um, or on the, you know, the contrary, like they had to like continually like slow down and were possibly like missing out, um, on time off the trail because of like these, these differences, um, in speed. So, um, yeah, I think that that is, is just, it's something to be like super cognizant of like if you are um you know maybe the more more advanced person like you know inviting someone to like go along with you is like be super cognizant of like pace and of how they might be feeling and you know at one point we were all beginners and we were all the slow ones at one point and so I think just like trying to like remember that um you know no matter like how advanced you get and just you know when you are like inviting someone new or um you know, adventuring with new people, like just being like really wary of like, you know, the whole, the whole point of inviting someone is to like enjoy it with them and not just like leave them in the dust and like have them have a shitty time. Um, and maybe, you know, never be able to have that experience again because of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think like <laughs> translating being aware of it to action is crucial. Like, do you have any tips for people on how they could start um, creating a safe space. Cause like, obviously you don't want to be like, Oh, you are super fucking slow. I'll like cut my pace down to 10% and like hang out at the, cause that doesn't really feel good either. So like, how can they approach those situations to create a progressive and like inclusive space for people? Yeah. Um, I think the number one thing is like, you know, if you are unsure, like just have that conversation beforehand um, you know, be, just be like really open with someone. Like maybe if it's a new, um, like if I ever go like trail running with someone new, like I, like one of the first things I say is like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like I'm at like a 12 minute pace right now. And if, you know, if you want to go faster, like I'm okay with that. Um, and just like, um, 
and then on the flip side, like if you are that person, you know, inviting someone along, like, you know, if you have like, like certain speed goals, if it's like a speed workout or a tempo workout or something, um, or if you are just like pressed for time or whatever, like just like being really open about that beforehand and just like, um, you know, going into that like adventure, whether it's skiing or running or biking or whatever it is, um, with like a very clear objective, like is your objective to train? And if so, maybe this isn't the right time to invite someone who you've never been with before or who might be a little bit slower than you. Cause then, you know, they're just going to have a bad time. Um, but is your objective just to like go out and have a good time then like, okay, go out and have a good time. And, um, I think, you know, it's like hiking and, and biking, like, you know, biking uphill, like it's really easy to just like, you know, stop every hundred yards or so and wait for someone and just always have a smile on your face when they, you know, walk up or ride up. Like, I think it's really easy to kind of get that like resting bitch face, like, you know, completely unaware, like you might not even be annoyed, but just like ensuring that like, you always have a smile on your face. You're always like saying like, you know, something positive when they show up, um, just really encouraging them. And again, like, even when you're on the trail, like continuing to have those conversations about like, how are you feeling? Like, is this pace? Okay. Like, you know, do you need a snack break? Like, do you need this? Do you need that? And just, um, yeah, I think like very continually like checking in on each other. Um, and just keeping those like lines of communication very open and honest. Um, even if that does feel like vulnerable in the moment. Communication and boundaries. It's like they're hot or something. They're so hot. I actually said that in my work meeting because you we were talking about boundaries for a project. I was like, as we say on my podcast, boundaries are hot. And my boss was just like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Genuine question. I'm, I exist at the back of the pack. I'm slow as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you guys feel about like going with a big group? Cause like I can remember this one time we biked uh, P9 in Fernie and like the uphill is literally just four straight to back, like straight back, just like straight up hills. And it was super humid and rainy. I'm terrified of bears. And I found out I had exercise induced asthma and like had like a full on like asthma panic attack. But when I got to the top, like I was crying, I was not okay, but everybody started cheering. And, like, I get that it's supposed to be a nice gesture, but for some reason, it's just, like, they're, like, yeah, girl, like, how do we feel about that? Is that an inclusive environment? It kind of makes me feel weird, maybe just because all the attention's on the fact that I was struggling, and now I am here, and I was at last, but, hey, I'm, we did it. I don't know. How do we feel about cheering? Honest, honest (laughs) reflections. I think cheering would make me feel, like, horrible I think if someone cheered for me like for doing something like that and they didn't cheer for anyone else I think that would make me feel like very excluded I think there's like a difference between like hey nice job and like the entire group being like "Woo, you're the slowest person you did it like that's that's I would be annoyed (laughs) yeah I think my go-to is and this is how Tori and I often talk to ourselves like each other is just like hell yeah you're a badass you're a badass bitch and you just did that thing like you're you're amazing (laughs) but more of like you are badass bitch and I'm so proud of you (laughs) yes but I feel like that's a different context because you're like my best friend and when we say bye to each other it's like fuck you see you tomorrow like that's different and like when I have imposter syndrome I'll call you and you'll be like 
who's a bad bitch use a bad bitch like that's different because it's like yeah. like one of my like intrinsic motivators that's external. but still telling people that they like crushed something even if they're less like you crushed it because it's still an accomplishment but i think the context is important like yeah, you totally. can say that like one-on-one -on -one, but to have a whole group cheering is just kind of awkward i think yeah yeah, yeah I mean, that's super awkward Right? I would not be into that. <laughs> no, I would also not be into that. <laughs> and I told my boyfriend because I learned how to like, well, relearned how to mountain bike pretty much with just him. And this was like our first ride with like a group of 10 people. And they were all so far ahead of me, like so far ahead of me. And I was like, I just feel like I'm so slow. And like, I can't go that fast. Like I physically cannot. And he was like, they don't care. That's not what it's about. And like everybody cheering is still just like, they all noticed. Right. Just like I'm the one at the back of the back. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just like calling it out and yeah. And and there's nothing wrong with the, you know, there's nothing wrong with being at the back of the pack. Like, you know, again, like a mile is still a mile, but I think that that having like a whole group cheer for you, like that would make me feel like collectively they recognize that this was like a longer, harder effort for me. Right? And instead of just, yeah, like you said, like the one-on-one, -on -one, like, you know, hey, like, great job. And, you know, that's that's a lot better, I think, than like, oh, you've all been sitting here waiting and you all collectively decided that you should cheer for me. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think that, like, the person at the back is always going to be putting in the majority of the work to, like, get fitter, to do transitions with ski touring faster, to, like, do everything more, to be more cognizant of it, to, like, go get tested for, like, exercise due to asthma, like myself, and get an inhaler just so, like, I can, like, shave off a few of those minutes that I'm behind everybody else. But that's the same thing with, like, like, talking about different neurotypes and disability and there's like communication deficits it's usually on like the neurodivergent person to put in the work to communicate with a neurotypical person and that's where like there needs to be like a 50 50 split and I I had that conversation with my partner I was like you know sometimes I need you to check in with me in these contexts or like we need to communicate before we do something really gnarly together so that we're not getting into those moments where I'm like I need support but you're not there or like this is too fast for me and it's not working and like in the moment, it's difficult to communicate if you're like at the top of a gnarly line. So it's like, I feel like it's, it's hard. It's almost like fitness privilege in a sense, right? It's like hard when you're privileged to think about what it's like on the other side of that. Yes. Yeah. But to that exact point, I remember when I moved to the coast, I was out on a mountain bike ride with a bunch of people and most of them were, were quite good at mountain biking. And I came down and I said something about just like classic like apologizing for being last and one of the guys looked at me and he's like well if you're skiing and someone's not as fast as you how do you feel about that and I was like oh I don't care like I'm just happy to be skiing with my friends and he's like yeah exactly like he just like shoved it back in my face and it was like this big light bulb moment for me where I was like oh my gosh like I go skiing and so many times I'll go skiing with girls and they're worried about whether or not they can keep up and me having to wait and I just like saw it completely in reverse and I was like now I understand when people make those comments to me when I'm skiing about not being able to keep up because that's me right now on a mountain bike and I feel this exact same way so I was like completely on the other end of the equation and it was a complete light bulb moment I was like wow wow this is it. This is the feeling. 
Okay, you know what I think we need for this podcast is like one of Adam's like sound buttons. It's like pew, 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 but we need one with Owen Wilson's like, wow, 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 realization. I just had one. Wow. Wow. We do really need that would be so good. Oh my God. Oh my God. Wow. But when it comes when it comes to skiing, like I know that I am a very strong skier. And I've still, when I ski with guys that are quite a bit stronger than me, I mean, we're at my home resort, I had figured out all these ways to take little shortcuts so that I could always get back to the lift around the time they were getting back to the lift, even if they were going and doing their crazy stuff on the side. I like had my like quick ways down where I could always get there on time and then no one would have to wait for me. And it just makes you sit back and realize all the ways that you do those little things when actually people don't care if they have to wait two minutes for you at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, I, I agree. It's really interesting. And just like the, the psychology of it all. And, um, I think like Tori, to your point earlier is the <clears throat> kind of the difference is that like when you are the person who's like at the back struggling, um, it can be hard to be the person. It can be hard to like be struggling in that space. And then also at the same time, like find the courage, the strength, whatever to speak up and be like, Hey, like I need help. I need to go slower. I need a break. Like when you're already like quote unquote, holding everyone back. And like, you're not actually holding everyone back, but in your mind, like that's what's happening. Um, and so like to already feel like kind of like the weaker link in that moment and have to like speak up and say something. Um, so that's why I think it is really important. Like when you are like, you know, on the other side to, to be the person who, you know, if you are more of a mid pack or a front of the pack, like to be continually checking in, like on, you know, on the people that, that are at the back. And, um, and that's something that I, I feel similar about, like with skiing, like I'm typically the stronger skier amongst my friends and we'll always try to like, you know, stop at like, you know, break points in the mountain or whatever, and like wait for people. And, you know, again, like always try and have a smile on my face, check in with them. Like, how are you feeling? Uh, but then those same people will like kick my ass the next day on a mountain bike. Um, and it's really nice when like that kind of like back and forth dialogue um, and checking in on each other, like is, is reciprocated. Totally. And I don't think there's anything that says that just because you're the fastest person in the group, you need to be in the front. Mm-hmm. <gasps> oh, yeah. we should. Oh, my God. That should be a team building exercise. There's like there's this company. Um, I benchmarked them for a marketing project, but it's like Ovira, I think. But they have like this period pain um, electro like shock device that you attach to like you can wear it so it basically helps with like endometriosis pain all that kind of stuff but they did this marketing campaign where they dressed a woman up in a tampon outfit and then on the street she had to ask men if they like wanted to feel what it was like to have cramps so then they they hook up like this electro like transmitter that you would use in like uh like chiro or physio and then make them like exercise and do stuff while they have cramps and there's recent studies that say that like menstruation cramps or endometriosis cramps are like a similar degree for some women as the pain of having a heart attack and it's like for men they're just like holy fuck you guys do this all day like i could not like they're keeling over and i was like it goes is it like the betty white thing where she was like pussies can take a beating 
So I don't know why we didn't say like pussy as an insult for weakness, but we should do like a back of the, there should be like an international back of the pack day. <laughs> like y'all need to go to the back of the pack. We're going to put like a hundred extra pounds on you. Make sure your skins are super crap and they keep falling off. Just like all of these like hypothesized things to make them slow down and feel what it's actually like. Sorry, is that mean? Maybe, I don't know, but I wish other people could step into like, like physically step into people's shoes sometimes. <laughs> Oh my god, I love that. That's hilarious. Um, not like nearly to the same level, but when I was and maybe I don't know, maybe inherently this is like one of the reasons I wanted to start the back of the pack was when I was little and we'd be we'd do like family hikes. Um my dad and my brother and my mom. Um my dad would always make us rotate who was at the front. So like he not only like his his like theory on it or whatever was like the person at the front gets like the best view, right? Cause you're not just like staring at someone's backpack or the back of their head. Like you're actually getting to like see the trail and the everything. Um, and then also he wanted like each of us to be able to like set the pace. Um, so like my little five-year-old legs, like didn't move as fast as like my brother's eight-year-old legs. So, like I would then like have to be in the front and like, he would have to like be at the back and like, you know, slow down a little bit. Um, and I don't know, like, you know, I mentioned earlier that he's he's always been really good for waiting like waiting for me and stuff and maybe that's part of it but um I do remember that like as a kid that's one of those like things that really stands out for me is like let's all rotate so we all get like the best view and like we all get to like set our own pace and um so just like made it like a really inclusive um family activity even you know way back then so Totally. And I think it was one of our very first episodes. Um, we had Marcus who wrote the guides for backcountry skiing in the Rockies out here. And he talked about how you have to let everyone get a chance to set the skin track. Because if you never have a chance to set the skin track, because you're not necessarily the fastest person in the group, how are you ever going to learn that skill? And how are you ever going to build those muscles? So that's what it reminds me of is, is when he said that. And I was like, wow, that is, that's true. Like I never hardly lead a skin track unless I'm with other women because otherwise I'm always following and I'm never the fastest. So I never get quite up to the front. So that's similar, just switching out regardless of who is the fastest person. I think it could be applied to a lot of things. Yeah, I had the exact same thought, Renee. I was like, ooh, I want to say it. And then you led into it. And I was like, we are so connected. Wow. See? Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow, but it's like whammy, but wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, again, that's like a good tip for being cognizant of it. It's mm -hmm. like, you know? Yeah. And then that's maybe too where, uh, Laura, you were saying, if you are that person in the back, even though it can be a really vulnerable place to be in, advocating for yourself of, no, it's my turn and I want to lead the skin track. I want to go up front for a bit. I want to try it. I want to do the route finding. Let me give it a shot and mm -hmm. seeing how the group responds to it because a good group is going to let you do that. Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah I, for sure yeah I think and that's I mean that's something that I kind of recognized um in my own self of like you know growing up the way that I did I always had like my dad and my brother planning the trips and I just 
packed my backpack and went along. Um, and it wasn't until I moved out to the Northwest that I started finding a lot more women to adventure with and then having to like step out of that role of follower and actually like become a leader and, you know, be the person who understands like how to pick a trail, how to find a permit, how to, you know, plan the trip, um, you know, plan your food. What do you need to bring um, as opposed to just like bring your sleeping bag and your thermal rest and, you know, go for it. Um, you know, specifically speaking of like backpacking, that's kind of what I did mostly as a kid. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, so I just kind of had this, this realization that like, oh, I've been like literally backpacking for over 10 years and like not once have I actually been responsible for like taking that trip or like taking the initiative to actually like, what are the steps of actually planning this adventure? Um, and that's something that I really, really enjoy now and something that I love like teaching other people. And I think um, moving forward, I think that that's kind of stuff that will integrate a little bit more into back of the pack, that, that like educational side. Um, because I think, you know, not only can you be like back of the pack, like pace wise, but you can also be back of the pack, just like knowledge wise. Um, and so, you know, like Renee said, like, you know, route finding and things like that, that if you're constantly at the back, you're never going to learn that. Um, so I think with like trip planning and, and route finding and, um, just logistics and even like tuning your gear and all of these things that like, if you always have someone who's better than it at you, it's really, really easy to just like let them do it for you. Um, but being able to, to take that initiative and like learn yourself and, um, you know, ask them like, Hey, can you explain this to me? Or, you know, take a course or watch a YouTube video or whatever. There's so many resources out there now, um, that can like help you kind of, you know, even if you're still back of the pack in pace, you might be front of the pack in knowledge, um, or vice versa. And, um, I think that there's, you know, a lot of ways to kind of, you know, increase knowledge and as well as like fitness and all of that. I love the back of the pack knowledge thing. I am currently on a journey myself because I realized that like, I'm like, when I'm out there, I'm better at like, I, I have enough experience, like choosing a route when we're out there, digging a pit, that kind of stuff. But when it comes to like planning a route or like scoping beforehand, I get so overwhelmed with all the information. And then I think that there's a bit of a culture in the industry, like Jerry's, you know, like the park crew hates you. It's like somebody making a mistake or trying to step into a space or have those conversations. Like there's, there's kind of that exclusivity of like being an expert. And then it feels unsafe to like step up and try, which is, we've talked about this so many times, but a narrative that we're trying to create. And it sounds like back of the pack is like, you know, our like sole partner in this messaging, but it's like, trying is hot. Like just trying to have those conversations is cool. You don't have to have the right knowledge and the right language right away. Like it's okay, but it can't just be on like the person that's struggling with it to be like, I am responsible for my feelings. They are not making me feel like this. Like that is a huge chunk of it. But if a lot of people feel like this, that's a huge indicator to there being like a significant cultural flaw in the industry, right? It's like the need for spaces like that. And that's where it needs to be like a 50-50 street, 120 freaking percent. Yeah. Laura, I don't know if you have this where you are, but when Tori's talking about this, all I can think of is mountain towns I've lived in or lived near where they have these circle jerk Facebook groups. <laughs> that's what I call them. But it's all of these elitist people who 
you know, they act like they're really inclusive and whatever, but then someone will post a question saying, hey, is this trail dry? And the response will be, oh, well, you know, you should know that. Why don't you just look it up here or whatever, instead of just helping them find the resource and explain, yes, I was there the other day. It's good to go have a good time. Like people can be really protective over their zones and have that locals only vibe, but they also will just jump at someone's throat the minute they make a mistake. They'll post a picture of some area that someone skied and be like, well, this skin track is so terrible. What kind of idiot put this skin track here? And instead of actually sitting back and saying, hey, you know, I noticed that the skin track is really bad. And I was wondering if we could have a discussion on how it could be better. You know, they don't want to educate people, but they are very quick to berate them. And I don't know if you've seen this other places too, but it's these echo chambers of people who seem to have the knowledge, but they aren't very willing to share it. And then if you're that person that's just trying to ask, hey, I want to go to this place. I, like maybe I'm not from there or whatever. And just want to know if a trail is dry and you're just getting ridiculed for asking the most simple question it's like why why <laughs> why <laughs> yeah yeah for sure there's a lot of that there's um a like pacific northwest like hikers and climbers or mountaineers or something group that I'm a part of and it's on Facebook and I don't interact with that group very much but every now and then like their posts will show up and it's it is exactly that it's like someone has a very basic question and people just like will like laugh at them and berate them and it's just like like why it's just a question and you know again like we were all beginners once we all like at some point whether someone taught us or we figured it out on our own you know at some point in our lives like we were all there and um yeah I I feel like you know you we just we see it a lot we see it a lot with like you know the clothes you wear the brands you buy um you know there's there's the perpetual debate on Instagram of like geotagging places um and like I know at least in Washington like everyone tags like keep Washington or like tag responsibly keep Washington beautiful or something and um yeah just this kind of like gatekeeping aspect um of it while still on the other side being like I'm here to inspire you to get outside and then like but I'm not going to tell you where I'm going. It's like, I, I will forever not understand that. Um, and, but yeah, yeah. Some of those groups are just like downright nasty in, in the way that they like treat people who are new to, to these sports. Yeah. I honestly do not understand the geotagging thing. If you're going to a provincial or national park. Mm-hmm. That's where I don't get it. This space is literally for people to be able to explore and have the amenities to do so. Yeah. Why are we not encouraging people to go to them? And yes, I do understand that sometimes there are too many people that are going to these places. And that's a whole other conversation. But yeah. it, again, just like puts this basis on well, you have to know where to go. And now I'm not going to tell you because I'm not even going to tag which mountain it's on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like, I, I'm really like not sold on the whole don't geotag things because I think we should be encouraging people to go to those places. We should just make sure that we're encouraging it safely. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's where the problem arises is when people are trying to get to somewhere because they saw a cool Instagram picture, but they don't have the skills or the knowledge to go there. And I don't know how you fix that problem necessarily, but I don't think we should be not encouraging people to go to those places. We just need to figure out how to do it so that they do it safely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like one of the things I personally will do is um, like I'll typically tag like Olympic National Park or Olympic National Forest. Um, I won't tag like the exact hike. Um, But if someone asks me, I will message them and say like, yes, like here's the hike. Here are a few things to know. Um, whether it's like road closures or snow conditions or, you know, and just kind of, cause that way I feel like I'm, you know, letting them know like, you know, what exactly the hike is, but then, or hike or whatever it ends up being adventure wise. But, um, you know, also including like kind of those important like safety tips. Um, cause yeah, I definitely think like people can get in trouble if they see like, you know, some like really awesome fire lookout and they want to go to it, but it's like, you know, maybe way out of like their current level of skill or, you know, the conditions aren't great. And, you know, they might not have that like knowledge base to know like where and how to check on those things. I think that that's where like that education piece comes in of, you know, you're not, you're not gatekeeping, but you are like, you know, providing that education to ensure people that like, you know, get out and and do it responsibly and safely. Um, I think when we talk about like, you know, yeah, there's, there certainly are like, national parks and hikes spaces and places that like are like way you know overrun or whatever um I think that's true but like I also I don't think that it's up to like the individual to gatekeep like I don't see that as being like my job like me like not tagging something is not gonna like stop that like overrun overrunness whatever that word is from happening right like that's that's on like the governmental organizations that run them um and and how they manage that and that's it's not my responsibility yeah definitely I I actually did a project on this for one of my classes um and like we had to analyze and come up with an idea to help like 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 basically create a nonprofit. and we were looking at uh barriers to getting outside and like to the mountains in Canada for new immigrants um and like one of the biggest barriers is like not knowing how to do it or not feeling safe to like, could you imagine uh, flying to Canada, right? You it's like our population is so like vastly spread out. Like we have 30, 33 million people across Canada. The majority of our land is like, you know, you might be like out of cell service You're in the mountains. We have really big animals. We've got varying temperatures, like there's exposure uh, risks, right? And like, I know over the last couple of years, my dad has talked about how with the pandemic, there's so many more like diverse families and stuff getting out to the mountains to do stuff. Um, and one of like the core barriers that we we looked at was like not knowing what type of gear they need, like feeling intimidated because um, the environment is new, it's more difficult, all that kind of stuff. And like when you're talking about gatekeeping, there is like definitely some like, you know, whiteness involved in that gatekeeping right like the outdoors is a very white space and if you look at any like BIPOC creators that are talking about this um like there was a a BIPOC creator that was talking about it recently I can't remember who it was do you remember Renee I can read your mind sometimes but not all the time so I really have no idea where you're going with this sorry not right now okay well they posted something (laughs) about the outdoors not being inclusive and the comments that they got back from white people 
like white men predominantly is like it's that out it's the outdoors like you can just go to the outdoors like why are you posting about this this isn't an issue like xyz and it's like well there is obviously like a cultural flaw but again it's like being in that position of privilege of having the knowledge having the skills growing up doing it having the money to do it having a car to get to the mountains like you know identifying with the majority that are represented in these sports in advertising like feeling inclusive like all those kinds of things right like those are important barriers to assess as well and then you also have being able-bodied disabled like there's so many intersections of it because it's just like it's not just as simple as going outside at the end of the day there's entire industries businesses cultures that are created around this stuff and yeah i think it's it's really 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 important to unpack in this industry and for some reason it is so much farther behind than like other parts of society i don't really get it <laughs> yeah i wish i could read your mind and know exactly what this post was but I don't remember. I'm very sorry. That's okay. Indra shared it on her story. I wish I could like credit the, it was like freaking heartbreaking to read all the comments. Yeah. No but, kidding. Yeah. It's fucked up people. I tell you, but there's organizations like back of the pack that are here to disrupt the, I don't want to say peace. Cause it's not peaceful, violent peace. I don't know what to call it. So <laughs> there we are. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, back of the pack, because we've talked especially more summer things, but do you see that as being a winter skiing? Like, what sports are you looking at targeting with back of the pack? Yeah, um, so right now we're pretty much like hiking and trail running, um, just because those are kind of the sports that have like the lowest barrier to entry um, gear wise. Um, I certainly would love to see, um, some sort of mountain biking, um, like adventure <laughs> in some way. Um, and definitely skiing, um, we're actually, my husband and I are planning to move to Colorado, um, later this year. Um, and so once we kind of land there, um, I have big plans to do some, some skiing stuff, um, just cause that's kind of like my first love. Um, and I, you know, there's 5 million barriers, um, to getting into skiing and, um, I'm not quite sure how yet, but that's definitely something that I want to start, um, you know, working on breaking down, um, and getting, you know, getting more people out on skis. Um, there's a couple, there's a really cool, um, place in Colorado, um, that's it's called bluebird backcountry and it's this like it's like a a manned backcountry resort like it's not quite like um you know like most skiers have heard of like silverton colorado which is this like there's one lift and then it's all backcountry you can only access it like with a guide for most of the season it's in southwest colorado um so bluebird isn't like quite that gnarly it's like more of like a mellow um, it's patrolled. It's, um, I do, I think they bomb it too. Um, <clears throat> but it's essentially just this like, and there's like a yurt at like at the base of it. And so you can like go in and get warm. Um, so it's like a really cool way to learn like backcountry skiing without like actually being in the backcountry. Um, and so I have like grand visions of doing like a back of the pack, like bluebird day, um, where we all like go there and like do some touring and just kind of like you know, learn about like how to be safe in the backcountry. Um, again, like in a way that feels 
a lot more accessible than um, just like going on a tour, like into the middle of nowhere, which is like pretty intimidating for um, a lot of, you know, people who haven't done like a, a backcountry tour before. Um, so yeah, something like that I think would be really awesome. Um, yeah, some sort of mountain biking. I envision, you know, thus far we've only done these like three, three night, four day retreats. Um, so I envision doing more like one day pop-ups, um, that are, you know, kind of it in, in more of the different sports, um, skiing, mountain biking, paddling, um, and then again, like hiking and trail running still. Um, so yeah, kind of, um, a little bit of everything, I guess, eventually ice climbing. I'd love to do some sort of like ice climbing thing, um, and climbing too, but I've never actually rock climbed. So that's like, I would need to hire someone to do that. Um, and yeah, so just, just kind of, I don't know, we'll, we'll see where it takes us. But, um, right now it's just been really fun, um, doing the kind of the chill, like running, hiking retreat. So we have one coming up in Leavenworth, Washington next month, um, which is in the central Cascades. So doing a lot of playing there. Um, and then yeah, some, some summer, um, one day like meetup events. So sick branching into all of the areas and all of the activities. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's so sick. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, we are running out of time today. So to wrap it up, um, do you maybe just want to let everybody know where they can find you, how they can join back of the pack um, mm-hmm. and like any other plugs you want to make before we head off? Yeah. Um, so I mostly hang out on Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle is at Laura Hall. Um, H A L L is my last name dot C O. Um, and then the back of the pack Instagram is at B O T P dot community. Um, and then we have a website as well. It's like very like bare bones right now, but that's back of the pack dot community. Um, and from there or from the Instagram page, you can join the email list. So every Friday we send out like um, an inspirational video, an inspirational podcast, um, a fun, like on the go, like, um, recipe, um, and then any like back of the pack updates. So I have no idea where you find the time, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know either. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Superhuman. Unsure. <laughs> perpetually sleep deprived that's why (laughs) that is nursing and also just adulthood in general like I did this emergency nursing specialty recently and I gained a lot of knowledge but mostly I gained a very severe caffeine dependency (laughs) yes Yes. (laughs) I'm slowly working my way through trying like all of the energy drinks known to man is how I get through all of this Yep, I feel that. I've had to switch from like downing like four coffees to green tea because I realized that like my heart rate was not sustainable. So green tea is a little bit more level, you know? We are the pinnacle of health. Pinnacle of health. Health (laughs) as well. Absolute pinnacle. (laughs) Killing it. Okay. Well, Thank you so much, Laura. That was great. Your organization is super rad and I can't wait to see like yeah how you develop into all these different events and if you end up pushing through the podcast let us know because we're stoked to listen to that too so (laughs) okay yeah thanks so much for having me this is super fun yeah thank you